Hi everyone. Welcome to Overdue Conversations from the Library. It's been a while. We're back. <laughs> so Hi, my go name ahead. is Anita Foster and I'm the library media specialist in a middle school in Kennesaw, Georgia. Hi, I'm Ingrid Hansen. I'm a library media specialist in a middle school in Mapleton, Georgia. There are a lot of ends in that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Like in, in, in. <laughs> it's totally okay. We're just having conversations, remember? So hi everyone. I'm Lori Quintana and I am a library media specialist at an elementary school in Marietta, Georgia. Formerly in Smyrna, Georgia, but now Marietta. <laughs> Welcome to Overdue. It's a little crazy, crazy here, but we love it that way. So we hope you do too. And uh, yes, we are back. Um, we have gone through some things um, in the last uh, nine months or so uh, since we last podcasted. Uh, life got a little crazy for some of us, and we were always there. I, I want everybody to understand that uh, we are friends first and foremost, and we were always there supporting each other. And when podcasting got a little too crazy um, in our schedules, we stepped back um, and we are now hoping to be back more permanently and regularly. And we um, we love this, but we are changing the format a little bit of our podcasts. Well, you know, Anita, it's all about making sure that we were providing quality information to our audience and uh, providing information that everybody can relate to. And when you're super busy in life, it's hard to really focus on, you know, providing that to our audience. So I'm glad that we're back. And um, I think we have a lot of good things to share from the past nine months myself. And so I'm, I'm excited to get started again. So um, one of the things that uh, we want to talk about is um, how our podcasts are going to change a little. In the past, um, we have, you know, done some things that uh, we were asked to do, and we have done some podcasts that uh, we wanted to do. And so one of the things that we are changing is this started out as a conversation among friends. And one day we were talking and we said, man, we need to record this. And that's how this started. And so we are going back to that. We don't even know what we're going to talk about. We got too concerned on having a topic for each podcast and was the topic relevant for everyone and things like that. And so we've decided that to make our lives easier and hopefully to record more regularly, we are going to just have a conversation among friends and we are inviting you into our conversation. So um, if you want to listen, great if you don't like this new podcast honestly this is our <laughs> own therapy and it's cheaper than hiring a therapist so and it and it is overdue conversations from the library so we are aligning our conversations to our uh focus and our purpose right That's which correct. for the most part um one of the things that i like about this i knew this new idea is that most of the conversations we have when we're not recording are about the things that we're passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. And the things that we wanna share and the things that we want to, to discuss with people that we trust. And I agree. I mean, there were times that, you know, we were asked to do podcasts and we were doing different things. And I think we really stepped away from just remembering that this is our passion and we just wanna to get together and talk about it because we really love what we do. Okay, so just an FYI, while we're recording right now, it's also recording our transcript, and it just said, I said, uh-huh, and I didn't say, uh-huh. Where to get that? I took a drink of my hot apple cider on this rainy evening. Well, maybe <laughs> and as you were taking a sip, I heard you say, uh-huh. Did you? Well, maybe if you moaned I, because it was so tasty, it just transcribed it that way, right? <laughs> well, this mic is pretty good. It's picking up everything. I got to be careful. <laughs> so... What's new, guys? I mean, we talk all the time. We know what's new in each other's life, but what's new that you guys want to share? Uh, well, I will share that I am at a new school. I'm at elementary level now, and so it has been a very big learning curve for me. Um, how long have we been back at work now? Since August 1st. So 
I've been doing it for two months now and um, it's been very exciting actually. And uh, going from a middle school library to an elementary library is very different. Who knew? Because <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so um, completely different I set did. of kids. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it's just awesome. It's very energizing. I feel like the kids are very energizing, very positive. They're so sweet. Um, and, uh, learning, you know, their needs and how I can, you know, create a library program at the elementary level that, uh, serves them in their academics and, you know, their social emotional learning and, um, their books in the baby's hands. Yes. They're, you know, encouraging their reading and everything like that. I mean, so I just had this conversation with uh, one of my colleagues today. Actually, I, I've gone from reading YA books to reading picture books. And so I've had to really get caught up on that. And so for people that don't know, my kids are all grown. So I have not, I, I, I couldn't tell you what's popular in elementary land at all. So I'm learning really quickly and uh, doing that through my students by building those relationships and stuff and getting to know them. So that's new but with at me. At least you will know what books to purchase for your grandbaby. Yes. <laughs> Lots okay. of research. Yeah. It makes me smile, Lori, because I always call my kids little babies when they do something cute. And it, now I just think, but you actually have little babies. Like, I think mine are little babies, but yours are legitimately like little babies. But you know what's really fun about that, Ingrid, is that I do have fifth graders and I know that they're going into the middle school next year. And so I know exactly what they need and uh, how I can help them make that transition. Uh, and uh, I, they, I don't know how to say this, but like they're already starting to act like middle schoolers at in fifth grade. So like I actually had a couple of fifth graders in the library today and they've already started that i you know i'm i'm too cool to have that conversation kind of thing but then you keep going and talking to them and whatever and so once you once you're a middle school library media specialist i feel like you can really um talk it up with any level of kids you know what i mean because middle school is like in the middle um can you are you gonna toot your own horn or can i toot it for you who me yeah <laughs> Um, well, I mean, if you want me to talk about that, I don't want to take the whole stage here. I thought we were going to go around and like say something. Uh, that was no, new. this needs to be talked about because this is incredible. So, uh, in the two months that I have been at the elementary level, uh, you know, like we talked about reading, getting the kids reading, getting them acclimated back into the library and knowing what a library is and that, you know, they can check out the books and they can have them for, you know, two weeks at home or bring them back whenever they want. So it's all about the reading. And I didn't know what that looked like at the elementary level, but I'm very happy to say that in, I didn't really record my statistics in August because I was doing a lot of technology stuff and helping getting technology ready for teachers and stuff. But um, this month of September, we had 3,167 book checkouts. And so I went back and compared that to the last three years. And of course, I couldn't really include last year because it was a COVID year. And I really couldn't include the year before because we kind of left school early. So I went back three years. And so I looked at those statistics and I, I think I've pretty much almost but doubled in the circulation. In 2019, we didn't have COVID yet. So you could include that year as a stat because. Yeah, because it was September. It was so. September. So you were good there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we went from what I think I don't have it up in front of me. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> so in 2018, your school had 1,920 checkouts in the month of September. And in 2019, your school had 962. Now you weren't there, so you don't know what happened to have yes. the drop down or, yes. or anything, but, um, this year, she had 3,167 students check out books or books checked out by students. I, I mean, it me, was amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Anita. Uh, it certainly helps build confidence to keep going. I will tell you that. So um, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate uh, my colleagues for their support allowing the kids to come to the library, because I think that is a huge thing right there. And so um, 
you know, I'm on a, a flexible schedule, but I kind of did a hybrid thing because I wanted to make sure that kindergartners and first graders and second graders came to the library and they really can't travel on their own through the building yet. They haven't actually been, the kindergartners and first graders hadn't even been in a library yet. So I kind of did build a schedule for them. But my third, fourth and fifth graders, uh, they have um, library passes. And so the teachers send them with their library passes and they come freely whenever they, they want to come to the library. But I have kindergartners on Monday, first graders on Wednesday and second graders every Friday. And so that has been a real treat, but that's also helped me build myself professionally as well, getting to know their learning levels and things like that. Cause you're used, to, I'm used to sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And that's a big drop going down all the way back down to kindergarten. What's their background knowledge? What's their learning levels? What's their reading levels? You know, it's a lot to learn, so. Yes, but I'm super is. excited. I used to teach Thank kindergarten you. first grade. So I kind of knew where you were going when you when you decided to go to elementary. So yeah, I used to. Oh teach, my goodness! Believe it or not, I taught kindergarten and first grade. I I who knew? I knew that you had taught, but I didn't know it was at at, at kindergarten first grade level. So kindergarten um, first grade, third grade, and then I was a technology instructor for a couple of years, and then I became a librarian. So kindergartners. And, and pretty much first graders too, you know, you can really start from ground zero because I mean, their background knowledge, you know, I mean, you can, you can pretty much pick anything to teach them and they are soaking it up. Like it was so awesome after I read to them today, one of the students said, I really like that story, Mrs. Well, I, I've already taught them to call me Mrs. Queen Tana. So, <laughs> um, so I, I really like that story. So we were, we were learning about leaf, how leaves change and stuff. And, and it was actually a picture book that I was reading that I found in Sora, but it talks about chlorophyll and chloroplasts, which are pretty big words for kindergartners. <laughs> but I went with it because I feel like I've always been a firm believer that kids can learn anything. You know what I mean? Like you, yes. you, you shouldn't withhold information because you don't feel like it's something that they will understand because they won't understand it if you never, you know, give it to them, right? <laughs> the information. Right. So um, you never know. They might be reading one day and say, oh, I remember Mrs. Queen Town talking about that. So. Anyway. I believe I used those terms from my first grader. So, yeah. So, yeah. I remember also having my mother-in-law send me leaves from upstate New York where she lived mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I was teaching in Florida and the kids did not realize that yes. they changed colors. That was the same for me. So, I've only been in Georgia for seven years. And so, I went back, kept going back to Michigan and Michigan and I'm from Michigan and stuff. And, and then I got to thinking, I want they probably don't even know where Michigan is, but you know, some of them did and they understood and everything. And we talked about cider mills and all the stuff fall, but I just really wanted to get them in a happy mood. It's the month of October falls a great season. And I wanted them to feel the love of that season as well. And I also believe that your students will love what you love and what, what they see you love. And so, um, especially with the littles and stuff, there's, they're just so impressionable that you want to make sure that you um, you really make that connection with them to make them feel welcome in the library and to feel comfortable there. And um, and it, it, it'd be such a joyful place for them. And so I I that's that's been my focus that that my actual theme this year is all are welcome here. And so that that's what I'm going with. I agree. Now, when I was in the classroom, I used to have um, Friday was our writing workshop day. And I started that when they were in kindergarten because I looped with them, Kay, and then we were in first together. And when by the time we got to first grade, they were such good writers that we were going and readers that we were going to the library to do research out of encyclopedias. And the librarian at the time, she she's still a friend of mine, um, and she said, man, I wish all classes would come in here and do this. So, yeah, we would do writing workshops on Friday, and I always told the students they had to know what they were writing about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was my way, too, of talking about plagiarism. You can't write what what's exactly in the book. You need to write that in your own words. And 
and things like that. But yeah, I just um, weeded an uh, entire encyclopedia set, but I did not throw it away. I have it on a shelf in my storage room because I'm like, you know what? You never know. Like, I'm not going to pull it out for them to research with it, but it might be something that you can show them, you know, so they understand where research, you know, we researched a long time ago where this information, you know, and how information changes over time and then how, you know, it's um, delivered, you know, all that good stuff and everything. Well, when I weed, when I weed um, or weeded encyclopedias, because I don't have any anymore, I always um, offered them to teachers to put in their classrooms too. So, but yeah, if that's your last set, you may want to hold on to it just so you can show them what it looked like. Yes. Once upon a time, I wish I had a card catalog. One of our schools in the Oh, I know, me too. Has a card catalog to show students what it used to look like but i don't have that so i'm like yeah no but but you can show them the pictures right <laughs> ingrid what's going on with you not a lot i'm just enjoying the conversation but at your school what's going on oh gosh um not a ton i've been um I've been teaching lessons on imagery and story writing, and um, we just started podcasting with sixth graders. So that's happening once a week in my space as well. What are so you using for podcasting? Um, well, they're actually working in conjunction with a social studies teacher. This is an AC group, so it's cross content. Um, and the book that she selected takes place um, in a country that they're studying. And so they're podcasting um, about both social studies content and then the book that they're reading through ELA. But, okay, but what technology? Um, we're using iPads and Anchor. Okay. We do it's love a, Anchor. We do love Anchor. A <laughs> uh, little promotion there. <laughs> I love that you're podcasting again with your students. Yeah, I'm excited. I really missed it before. So I was really excited that the opportunity arose for me to um, to get back to the idea of podcasting with um, little babies because I'm always just so amazed and floored by what they can produce when given the opportunity and given um, the equipment and the knowledge on how to do it, they just always blow me away. So I'm really looking forward to um, listening and hearing and helping this whole new group record this year. You know, so I have a, a weather unit coming up with a sixth grade science teacher. And I think I might suggest one of the formats that the students report in is a podcast. That's, that's excellent. That so awesome. thank you for inspiring me, Ingrid. You're welcome. Ingrid, do you feel like the students are uh, excited and engaged and ready to do this um, because they've been, you know, they're back in school now and they've been out for so long? Or do you feel like um, they're shy with their voice and, you know, are, are they learning to, you know, build that up and everything? I'm asking because I do morning broadcasts now with the kids and I, it's been interesting to see them transition from the first week until the eighth week that we're in right now and, and building up their confidence and learning their voice and you know all of this stuff um i mean i think absolutely when you're going to look at the podcast that they're creating right now and again at the end of the semester you'll see a big growth there'll definitely be a change but i think one of the things that is supportive for them trying to find their voice and being able to make that leap from being intimidated to being darn you know, little tiny professionals um is the fact that we're scripting everything and the scripts have to be approved mm -hmm. so it's easier for that child who doesn't know what to say and feels very shy and intimidated about being recorded when they're reading a script that they wrote so it's kind of that scaffolding allowing them a little bit mm -hmm. more um insurance right that they're going to know what to say they're not going to have a loss of words that kind of stuff I and i awesome. found when i've podcasted with students that it it the students who don't want to be on screen they shine doing a podcast i agree they don't want to be in a video <laughs> but just their voice they're fine with it and i even had some students that um were autistic doing it and they were very perfectionist about it 
no, I want to record it again because my voice doesn't sound right. I, I need to put more inflection in my voice because that's one of the things we talked about was, you know, using inflection in your voice because you have to keep the listener drawn in while because they don't have a video to watch. They're just listening to you. So, yeah, you, you I, use I the big word inflection. Students. I say use your teacher voice. <laughs> So that's awesome. I, um, podcasting to me is, it it just hits on so many different areas. You were talking about the writing piece, Ingrid. And so that that's improving up on their writing. And then the, the communication skills, like there's not too many careers out there anymore where you're not going to have to get up and present something or talk in front of a body of people or, you know what I mean? So just building up that confidence and doing that um, through podcasting, I think is just so amazing. I think it's helped me, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I can't imagine, you know, how much growth like you were talking about with the students and stuff. And then it's also cool that you're collaborating with your teachers to, to put that all together. You know what I mean? It's not just something that's happening. It's not just an, a library activity. It's, it's something that's happening in the, in the content areas too. So I can't wait to see how that goes. I can't wait to hear you talk about it. And when it, when you guys complete it and stuff, it's going to be interesting. It should be interesting. And I'm certainly excited. I'm ready. Um, I'm ready to have, a bit more normality, I guess. And I feel like on some level, that's what teaching has kind of become for me this year, that after two years um, of just having very turbulent, very turbulent environment, right? Like we just didn't know from day to day. And so Mm -hmm. it's been really nice to be in school every day, day in and day Mm -hmm. out, and be able to plan accordingly and collaborate with different teachers over projects that I feel like I, I've missed out on previously mm-hmm. and um, and it you know it's just been interesting I didn't really have this is my third year at my school but I my the first year I came was the year that we closed for COVID and so it's been a difficult I wouldn't say difficult it's been a different path or journey for me to create those professional relationships with teachers it's just happened in ways that were different and because they were different, they were uncomfortable, right? It didn't make them bad. It just made it different. And so it's been really nice to see that those relationships that I created in an unconventional environment um, are actually maturing and benefiting our students, which I, I am very pleased about. And I think that's really interesting that you said that because somebody just told me the other day um maybe it was even you i think that like you're there for your as a first year media specialist in a school you're just really getting to know so many things you know like your 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 collection your library the kids your colleagues the school culture and climate like there's just so many different things that you're learning and um we are perfectionists and we we feel like we're going to walk in and just automatically start you know collaborating with everybody and doing everything and stuff like that and so it takes time for the staff to warm up to you and i just kind of want to throw that out there for any new library media specialist and i say that because i've i've read a lot of uh, messages on social media about from um individuals who have said, I'm a first year uh, a library media specialist. What tips can you give me? Lots and lots of new librarians out there this year. And so, uh, in, in fact, my former uh, para is now a library media specialist. And um, and so I, I just tell her, take, take your time, take your time and find, discover who you are as a library media specialist and, and get to know your space and, you know, just take that first year and let yourself get to know your space but let them see what you're doing too you know kind of thing so um and you had it especially hard with the covid going into a new space and then covid bam (laughs) it was it's been challenging and i want to throw out there that it's funny that i'm actually mentoring your para this year and she tells me well lori lori said that if i could just get one thing accomplished every and i'm like yes that's awesome advice (laughs) so it just makes me smile what a positive impact you had on her and how she is moving forward in her own space now as a media specialist and she's doing such a great job so i just wanted to throw out there that you made a positive impact um but yeah i would agree i think that i had read somewhere and I, I wish I remembered where, but I don't. Um, 
but somebody's saying that it takes about three years, right? Three years for you. Oh, Anita's saying that I heard that from Anita. So um, that's so funny that we're talking about things we heard and we just hear it from each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about to say that, Ingrid. I was, I was told that, I think Andy Spinks may have told me that um, okay. when we started and I had my initial librarian training that we went through for the year and stuff, um, that it takes three years to build relationships in order for the teachers to feel comfortable enough to come to you yeah. and ask you to create lessons. And that is exactly what I found. It was about two and a half years after I had started that teachers were coming to me then for lessons. And um, so my first year I spent, like Lori said, building those relationships, but also learning my collection. Because when I walked in, I had over 20,000 titles. And that was way too many because it had never been weeded and this school was built in 1965. So there were titles that I weeded that had never been checked out and they were published before 1965. So I think, um, I think that's such a good point. And I just want to jump in and say that um, I had that moment today where I had a teacher who sent like four or five kids in to check out books and I had one kid who said, I can't find this book. I looked in Destiny, it's in. And I went over and I just pulled it off the shelf and handed it to them. And I had this other kid who didn't know what to read. And I'm like, you need to read this book. And I knew exactly where to go to find, like there's just something to be said that you inherently need to understand your collection. And I think that that absolutely. is something that absolutely has to happen your first year. If you don't know what you have, you can't recommend, you can't, you can't do you the things that purchase. we do. You don't, yeah, you exactly. don't know how to organize it so that students can find the books that they want to read. You, can, I mean like the, oh my gosh, that is so. And people say that right. it hurts your heart to get rid of books. And no. some, some series it did hurt my heart. Like, me weeding Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House on the Prairie <laughs> series hurt physically. I'm just saying yeah, because now I, I read those books reading that up, series. So, yes. But it had we not been from checked another out time. in years. Well, and the oh. way I look at it, honestly, is I'm taking a book that hasn't been read in so long and I'm removing it. I may replace it with the exact same title with an updated right? jacket. Yes, um, yes. Or maybe just removing it and putting a book in that's actually something that my kids are interested in. Because, I mean, as I tell my kids every single day, life is too short to read a book you don't like. And if you don't like it, return it. And our shelves need to be filled with the books that our kids love and want and are waiting patiently to read. And if they aren't, then we're not, we're not doing them or ourselves or our space justice. You're absolutely well, just right. so you know, I weeded three Gaylord boxes from my current library, three. And then after I did the third one, I said to myself, does this come out of my budget? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't even know because I looked it up on our SharePoint and, I'll, and I don't see where it says it comes out of our budget. So that's something I'm like, it's still in the back of my mind. I hope it like, because that's a lot of money to to take out and not be able to spend on books. So I'm kind of worried about that because my budget is kind of half of what it used to be. Yes, so. I'm familiar with that. that. <laughs> no, we don't have I was to. My first year when I, um, my and all everybody who has ever met me knows this, but my collection was infested and um, with oh, silverfish right. mm -hmm. and I weeded over 10,000 books the summer before I started. And I remember my academic coach came to me and she said, you know, we have some extra Title I money. What do you need? And I'm like, I need books. Like I've weeded so yeah. many books. I just mm -hmm. need more books. Like, please mm -hmm. just give me money to buy more books. Yeah, no, you don't have to pay for those books to be removed. Um, no, no. No, um, because the company that we do it, do it through, they um, will recycle those books and uh, so they'll recycle the paper if it cannot be used at another location. Like sometimes, like the country needs to read English, obviously. They're not going to send English books to a country that can't read English. But uh, from what I understand, they send them to um, countries that need books mm -hmm. um, if they're still in good condition and the content is still good. Um, and I'm not saying good condition because we're reading it for a reason. Right. But... Um, 
then or they will recycle my heart happy well and you want to remember too that and i would imagine every county those books are not owned by the school they are owned by the county and so there isn't a fee for them to come and pick up what they already own like they're not our books to once we read it we can hand them out to teachers to use in the classroom but like i can't take them all and bring them to my neighborhood and put them up <laughs> for grabs do you know what i mean yeah. like they have to go back to the county because the county owns them right right so in well, my first year i weeded three gaylord boxes full of them too Mm -hmm. yes. And anyone who does not know what a Gaylord box is, yes. it is probably it's a big cardboard container on a on a what pallet on a pallet four feet by four feet, six feet by six feet, something like that. A you hot tub would fit in it. A hot tub would fit in it. You cannot no, like get that. it through a single door. <laughs> it has to be able to go through a double door. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how wide it is. And, and yeah. My custodian had to take that insert out of the middle of my, my double if I lean insert. into it, I'm cutting my stomach in half, which not, would not be a bad thing. But I am, um, I, I am, just, it's like, I get a height. vision, I get a vision of Anita leaning over I and, flip, and flipping tall. into it. <laughs> and all I'm, you see is her legs dangling out. I'm five foot nine. So I'm, you I'm are not tall. five foot nine. I'm really? Five nine. I'm, I'm five foot nine. I've How never paid attention to it. I'm 5'4". I'm a midget. Holy cannoli, you're tiny. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm actually not tiny. I'm tall in my family compared to the other women. They're they're um, right at five feet or four nine. Can you, if you can believe that? So. Well, Peyton is five four, and I tell her all the time that she's a munchkin. She gets really upset with me. Supposedly, it's the average height for a woman, but I think I thought that's what she. <laughs> literally she tells me that every time i tell her how short she is she's like i'll have you know that's the average really? size like, it oh. really is <laughs> so I am an average size school librarian <laughs> fun fact fun fact when i was in fourth grade um they wanted to put braces in and my dad took me to get a second opinion and because he did not like dennis for some reason and I was the first of all the children that he took to see about braces because my sister and my brother, they did not get this opportunity. And the second opinion said, no, she just needs to, we just need to make some more room in her mouth because she has a small mouth, believe that or not. Um, <laughs> so um, they pulled some other teeth to make room and I'm the only, I have the straightest teeth in my family. But while I was there for the consultation visit, he x-rayed my hand and he measured the joints okay this has nothing to do with library science nothing to do with libraries as you can tell um this is just part of our conversation that we have and we go off on tangents every once in a while uh, he measured the space in between my knuckles and he told me i was in fourth grade that i would be somewhere between five nine and five ten and they i'm actually that. five nine and a half yeah, they did that with my oldest daughter but they told her that her pediatrician told her he thought she would hit six feet and she's always been bitter that she tapped out at 5'11". Wow. But isn't that cool that they can do that with your hand? That's crazy. Anyway. I don't know. I know I'm jealous of tall librarians that can reach everything up above. I'm just going to put that out there or anybody okay. that can reach up You're above. You're jealous of them until they're in the grocery store and somebody comes up to me and goes, can you get that off the top shelf for me? <laughs> Which of course I do. I don't mind, but you know it happens. I never, I never often. do that. I climb the shelves. <laughs> I tell my husband, "Watch for people," and I'm gonna climb up really quick. My so. son is in the room with me as we're podcasting. I don't know why, and he's 19, and he just looked over at me and he went, "Me," because he's the one <laughs> that always asks me to get because he's adopted and he's from Guatemala, so he's not quite as vertical as I am. Okay, as much as I am enjoying this conversation about hands and height and sizes, Anita, tell us what has been going on in your library. Lots of crazy things. Um, so I had a book fair the very first couple weeks of school. And uh, that book fair normally, you know, I'm lucky to hit the um, $2,500 mark, $3,000 mark. Um, it was over $5,000 this year. It's um, I don't know if it's the way that I did it or that we have not had book fairs in a year and a half. 
and everybody was so excited. So we're going to test it out again in a couple of weeks the way that I did it, although we will have another fundraiser going on in the school at the same time. <clears throat> and um, so how I did it was I did it through their ELA class. And uh, so Tuesday was sixth grade's day to come. They could only come on Tuesday through their language arts class. And the teachers brought them in for a half a period each and they um, looked at the books. If they had money, they could buy. Um, Tuesday, it was seventh grade. And don't forget though to announce it on the intercoms the day before they're supposed to come. And uh, Wednesday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday was eighth, uh, seventh grade and Thursday was eighth grade. And then on Friday, only anyone who had money could come and their ELA teacher had to send them, not just any random teacher, just ELA. That was my way of doing contact tracing because they were staying with their class. Oh, so that's smart. That's that smart. is smart. Can do you mind me asking what company you used? I always have used Scholastic. Same. This is my. We figured it out today. This is my thirteenth year at Hotry. So, um, but I have always used Scholastic. Did you get your um, same dates as before COVID? Even though you didn't have, or did you have, pick, have to pick new dates? So. Um, I called them because they did not have my August 8th scheduled. I believe that's correct. I'm going from memory here. Um, and my December, uh, not my December, but my October date was wrong. They forgot to book me. And um, I just called them and I had a conversation with them. And I said, I'm sorry, then I'm going to have to go with a different company because it is always during conference week. And um, they were able to work it out to where I could have my book fair during conference week. So now did you get all of your rolling containers? I don't know what they're called, but because I've read uh, a lot of things that like are going on with Scholastic, like they don't give you the bags anymore for purchases and they're trying to talk uh, media specialists into doing tabletop book fairs so, instead of feeding the rolling cases and stuff like that. So how did it work for you? I had the rolling cases. Okay. Um, they they only sent me one register though, but that was fine because at the time we could not have volunteers. In our next one, we can have volunteers, but our PTSA who help and volunteer a lot for it, they're going to be inundated with the other fundraiser that's going on. Okay. So um, it's going to be me again, but um, I do have one volunteer that will hopefully be able to come in quite regularly during the week. So did you get bags? <laughs> No, I know they're I not giving bags. I've never I verified bags. Oh, really? I've I used never to get bags. bags from Scholastic. So they originally had my fair scheduled in August, and I was like, there's no way I would be ready for that. My library was not going to be even ready. Like, it was just not going to be ready. So I called them and I said, look, I always have my book fair at the last week of October. I would love to be able to do that because I always do a Halloween theme. And I really want to do that with the little kids because I just know they're going to absolutely love it. And so um, they were able to work it out and move me to the last week of October. And so now I'm going to lock that in going forward and um and so i just i was just curious if um how they were like, handling everybody's dates i like conference week because parents are there and so they're going to come in and shop are you Ours is virtual i was going to say one of the reasons that i wasn't heartbroken that i couldn't get conference week was um because I think most of our conferences are virtual. Mm -hmm. Some ours of ours are. will be too, but we are offering it face to face as well. Um, and so I'll see how the schedule looks um, after the teachers have it in place. And um, I'll, I'll decide how late we need to stay open. As of right now, we're open until 430 um, during conference week. Now I hear that elementary level is a, a whole new book fair ball game. <laughs> I was going to warn you about that. It really is. So elementary, um, they go all out and they decorate everything. Yes. Everything. Like and not only that, but I don't miss, what I don't miss from doing elementary book fairs is that child who comes in with a Ziploc bag full of pennies and puts it down on the table. <laughs> I this still get my, that in middle school. I have, uh, this is my book and I want it and it's $5.99 and here is 
my six dollars worth of pennies with two quarters and a dime thrown in for good measure. Well, that child was doing you a favor because everything ends in 99 cents. So now you got you had pennies to give change. Well, no, <laughs> I remember with Scholastic. I, I don't know other companies, but with Scholastic, they have all um, all for books. And it's so true. I always ask students, do you want to round up and make it an mm -hmm. even $5 or whatever it is, if it's $4.75, do you want to round up and um, donate that to the CLC to get other books? So my biggest problem with elementary book fairs is that I would have to keep like $5 in change in singles because I'd have that kid who was like a quarter short and really yes. wanted this book, yes. right? And, and that... I'm the just part a of a media specialist. Right yeah, there. I'm a sucker for old people and children. I'm like, it's okay. You can get it. <laughs> and honestly, if I don't have the cash, I just take it out of my scholastic dollars. Exactly. Like now we can pay the difference. That's how long it's been since I've been in elementary. That wasn't an option. When well, speaking of scholastic dollars, what I do is I give a lot of my scholastic. Now I will put a cart out and say, what book should we get for the CLC? And I pay for those books with scholastic dollars. But the thing that I love to do with my scholastic dollars is I have students who have earned um, reading prizes. So like this time in, um, in Beanstack, um, if they've logged so many books, our quarter's about to end this week. So my top readers for the first quarter, um, they're going to get money to spend in, um, in the book fair. And I use scholastic dollars to do that. I love that. I love it. I love giving to the kids. Like it, the, there's so much joy in that. Like you just, you just, I just skip and hop around whenever I, that's, you know, just putting a smile on their face. And um, just like today, like we, the kids were coloring these leaves and stuff and they were doing like a, um, a fall leaf, uh, I spy fall leaves. And um you know, I told them, I said, if you don't finish, you can take it home with you and finish it at home. It's no problem. And one of the students said, but I don't have crayons at home. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, God, you know what I mean? And so um, and then, you know, I told her, obviously, I, I, I pulled some crayons from there and I said, here, take these home with you. And, um, and she took them and she put them in her coat pocket. Um, but then after that, then another little boy came up to me and he's like, Mrs. Quintana, I don't have crayons at home either. So I went and got one of each color in my, my crayon bin and I rubber banded it. And I said, look, take these home and use these for any project you have for school. And, um, you know, just take good care of them and, and don't lose them, put them in your book bag and stuff. And so, um, you know, I mean, what do you get? It's just, <laughs> it's heartbreaking. That, it is that one person that won that. 600 million dollar cash take home from the lottery right. like i always say i i really need to win that so i can do so many things for kids you know and so i hope whoever won it does the same i hope they have that that kind of a heart for investing oh in our I, didn't know, I didn't even know there was a 600 million dollar lottery well it was it was it was higher than that but that was the take home pot like mm -hmm. that's what, oh. if they took the cash option that's what they take home yeah so today i had a little boy who um is somewhat, we call him a high flyer, right? Like he's somewhat difficult sometimes. And he had wanted to check out um, a new, The Last Kids on Earth book, which is um, a bunch of short stories. And I hadn't processed it yet. I purchased it, but it was still sitting on my shelf. And he was so upset that he didn't have it. And so I had given it to him. And I'm like, you know what? Look at me, my eyeballs, this is my book. I haven't put it on the shelves. I need you to take really good care of it. Don't lose it. You have to return it to me when you're done. He was like, okay. And today he came in and he handed me back my book and it looked pristine, like it hadn't been read. And I'm like, so tell me all about it. And he spent like 10 minutes telling me about everything about this book. And when I was done, I'm like, so how would you rate it? And he's like, oh yeah, it was, it was 10 out of 10. And I'm like, all right, well, do you want to keep it? And his little face just lit up. He's like, mm -hmm. I can keep it? I'm like, yeah, baby, it's yours. You take it home, you put it on your bookshelf, you keep it in your room, it's your book now. And he was like, oh, thanks. Like, oh. Those are the moments, right? Where you're just like. 
you could have totally started his home bookshelf like (laughs) like his home library he's going to start a home library and that will carry on for the rest of his life that's the kind of impact that we make like every single day and so um and i just love my dad we've been through a lot and everything and we talk a lot and um, we were talking last night and he was just being so encouraging and telling me that how proud he is of me with working with the little, little kids because I'm making a difference in their life at such a young age. And, and, you know, every little thing that they learn from me, I may never know the impact I made, but it, it, they'll, they'll carry it with them for the rest of their lives, even though I don't even know it. And I'm like, that is why we do what we do every single day. And so, um, I just want to share one really quick thing before we we end our podcast tonight. And I just found this out yesterday. So I tried donors choose for the very first time this school year um, because my budget's half of what it used to be. And I have to get the kids what what they want. You know what I mean? So that's like a huge thing for me. And so I tried it this year. And um, can we clarify something? Yes. It's half because you changed schools. Yes, and so and I you have, have a different pop- population, correct. and not because the county or anyone cut funds. Yes, correct. No, we all we always think we need more funds. <laughs> we do, we do. We always need more we do. Money. Yes, it's because I have and half the population books. I had before. So, um, so the donors choose. I wanted to, um, you know, because like I'm starting with nothing in this library, pretty much, guys. And so I wanted to start a um, puzzle and board game station in the library because one of the things that's really important for our kids right now that are back face to face that haven't been face to face in so long, is to be able to interact with each other and socialize and to have that one-on-one and learn how to converse with each other again and learn how to um, problem solve together and, and just, you know, and just get along, you know what I mean? And, um, and so I did a donors choose for uh, board games and puzzles. And I found out yesterday, one donor um, fully funded my project, $500 worth of uh, board games and, uh, and their floor puzzles. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was so shocked. I was so shocked because I've so never amazing. done it before. And so uh, I just want to tell everybody, you know, it, it. I was always kind of hesitant to do it, so I never did it because I'm I'm not good with asking people for money. I'm really not good at that. Uh, and so I tried it, and then and now my kids are getting these games. And um, I got the one of them is the um, the the super large Jenga. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I did to myself buying that for an elementary library because it's gonna be super loud. <laughs> it's gonna be crashing okay. all day long, right? But it's gonna be so fun to watch them and um and that was the first thing that came today. I just found out yesterday and that was already delivered today. So Okay, can I so give you a suggestion? Yes. As a former kindergarten teacher, yes. the puzzle boxes are not gonna last. I the boxes or the puzzle. The boxes. <laughs> Okay. So what I would do is now I use Ziploc bags, but you would probably want, since it's in the library, uh, the hanging bags and put all the puzzle pieces in that and then cut out the picture and I layered tape on it so that Mm -hmm. they couldn't color on it or anything. But I layered uh, tape on the picture on the bag so that they could see what it was supposed to look like or what puzzle they were putting together. I love that. And you know what? I love the I love the hanging thing the with the hanger. And I'll tell you why, because there's one section in my shelving on the that goes along the wall where newspapers used to hang. I still have the wooden rods and I'm like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to take the rods out and do how I've just been really kind of thinking about what am I going to do with that? But imagine me just hanging those on those rods there with the with the photos facing forward Mm -hmm. so that they could just walk up and grab one and and do their thing and whatever so so here's my other suggestion um this year i took two um double-sided short bookcases and i bought stools and um we put in a request for our county carpenters to come out and they're building out a top for my bookcases so that i can store um all of my games on the bookshelves and then it pulls out enough so that the kids won't kick the games while they're sitting on the stools on it and then i'm purchasing for micah to go on the top of it and then they did a second one for me and i glued on the lego baseboards 
So it's my Lego station. So just to I make love it that. like a cheap way of creating more interactive spaces within our libraries because I just don't have the budget to buy like a fancy cool right. tables that yeah, I, I can't I can't afford any of the mm -hmm. fancy library furniture right I, I don't know if I ever will be able to afford it so exactly um, yeah and so, so um but that's my next project is resources that they'll come out through carpentry and other departments and aid you in in making the best of what you have right it Necessity is. is the mother of, of invention so I agree. I, I completely agree. And so um, and the thing that's really cool about it is our kids, they don't all they see is what you're doing for them, the love that comes from that. You know what I mean? That it, that that's how appreciative they are of it. Like they don't know. They don't know that there is this five thousand dollar table you could buy from mm -hmm. what's it called? Smith's whatever. <laughs> right. Know. Exactly. Um, but they know that they saw you build them something from your heart. And so they that they appreciate that and they love that so okay real quick before we go i just want to let you know how you can get in touch with us if you would like to um give us any feedback or if you would like to shout us out or share our podcast um we are on twitter at overdue lib talk and you can follow us um Lori is the queen of social media and she helps manage that for us but uh, because we've been off I don't know that she has posted much on there because Anita well, is very rarely on Twitter anymore well that's the that's another conversation social media can be our next conversation um, because I actually don't have my uh, professional library Twitter anymore. Uh, I was trying to manage that plus my school library Twitter plus many other Twitters and I was like this is, I feel like I'm posting everything in several different places so I just have my school library Twitter and um, and then now since we started podcasting again of course I will tweet out on overdue so I'm so excited you guys like I'm so excited to bring this out to our audience again in in or new audience members um, just because um, it's so nice to have the conversations with everybody else in our profession and stuff. So, so if you stuck around and listened to our, all of our ramblings and our conversations that fuel us, we hope it fueled you too. And um, we hope that you enjoyed it. Um, so thank you for tuning in and hopefully we'll do this again really soon. I agree. Thank you for our first podcast, our reunion. <laughs> The reunion tour. Absolutely. So anyway. Okay. Well, bye everyone. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye. Just a reminder that everything we say is our own opinions and not the opinions of our school or our district.